Well, hello there and welcome. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are, fellow veterans. Uh, my name is DK Roach. I am a former U.S. Army medic. I, I actually ended my military career as a sergeant, as a medic, and served in the Gulf War. And this era um, that we cover is era that focuses primarily on 1992 currently. If you are a veteran or you are the family of a veteran, this subject matter is for you. And so we get a, we get a chance to ask questions, dynamic questions, amazing questions, and sometimes complex questions to veterans and specialists in particular areas. So today is no exception, but before I get started, I need to read this disclaimer because this is really important. And you know, the lawyers want us to make sure we read this. It says, neither the host nor the guest are authorized spokespersons for the government, a law firm, or any VSO. These comments are their own personal opinions and pri as private citizens and do not reflect the opinions or recommendations of any state, local, or federal government agency. You are welcome to do your own research and due diligence to discover the same information. Just want to make sure we put that out there just to keep it clear and everything. So today, um, we wanted, we've been trying to get in contact with this specific individual for over a year to try to get them just kind of um, to, to just to come and share their insights. And I suspect you are going to be thrilled and amazed to be able to hear who she is. I met her at a veterans event myself, and I was so impressed by her and her veteran husband that I said, hey, we got to do something together. And sure enough, the stars lined up. The clouds lined up and the creator made it possible that we can meet and talk to her today. And you are welcome to ask her some questions. So I'm going to bring her up and I'm going to give you a bio why she is coming up in a, in a few moments just so she uh, will get a chance to feel uncomfortable like most people who come on our <laughs> on our program. Hey, Sandra, how you doing? Hello, how are you, Mr. Roach? <laughs> I am feeling amazing. Thank you very much for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You are very, very welcome. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a little insight of who she is because I suspect many of you now, um, most of you know that we we invite fellow Gulf War era veterans to be here, and, and Sandra is no exception. She was in transportation when she was serving in the Gulf War, and she went on to a career in nursing. Um, she has spent most of her career focusing on veterans-related issues. And in 2007, she decided to found a organization that works specifically with veterans. And it's a specific subset of veterans. And I would say it's about 50% of the total population. If you understand what I'm talking about, you'll get there. Now, uh, Sandra departed her military career and she has been a steadfast devoted supporter and i'm reading directly from the website just in case you don't know that um, veteran and veteran causes she is a north carolina ambassador for women and military services for america memorial a vfw lifetime member and american and american legion lifetime member the military women across the nation she serves on the board of two veteran nonprofit organization and is the co-founder of the desert storm combat women and she'll tell you a little bit more about that she served as a state leader for the national desert storm war memorial from 2017 to 2019 and currently acts as the american red cross service for the armed forces regional women's veterans outreach lead for the greater carolina region she also serves as a co-founder of the north carolina coalition of women and veteran organizations so sandra Without that is a lot, and that is only just a, a small amount of the many hats that you've worn and you currently wear 
here in the state of North Carolina and the greater Southeast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You are. <laughs> I hope that wasn't too much, huh? Well, I want to clarify. Um, I started the organization in, in 2017. I wanted to make sure I said that, not 2007. So that's very important. Thank but, you very much. I'm well, glad you corrected that. Like, no, you went back that far? It's like, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> and I read 2017 and I said 2007. So before we get into, you know, we know you have the credibilities, you have the 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 the, the connections, if you will. Tell us first, in your own words, who are you? I mean, we know your official titles, but who are you as an individual, as a professional, and all the other titles that you wear? Ooh, um, you know, you gave a little summary of who I am, but um, I am an Operation Desert Storm combat veteran, and I actually um, served with 846 Transportation out of Salisbury. I was I started in the Army Reserve, so. Um, my career was something that I um, I looked at to be considered my backup plan. That's the truth. Um, I was in nursing school. Um, I joined the military on the delayed entry program while I was in high school. And then from there, I went to college. So I would go to my drill. So um, from there, I never expected to go to war. As you know, during that time in the 90s, the only war that we knew about was the Vietnam War and pretty Real. much and pretty much that was a long time ago. And, you know, nobody ever expected to do that. What I loved about the military was that I loved that it gave me structure and it helped me to to become even more, um, I should say, um, focused and and so that, along with me being in college at East Carolina University in nursing school, was just an awesome time in my life, you know. And then I got that call at 4 a.m. one morning saying <laughs> that we have a roaring bull. So and that was our code that we were going to war. We, we were being activated. So that's a little bit about that. But I am. Um, I did graduate. I did return and graduate as a, um, a registered nurse, well, as a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. And I did get my, my register nursing license. Um, I am East Carolina first nursing student to go to war. And just recently, um, wow. I was inducted into the East Carolina Nursing Hall of Fame. So, and that was this year, 2021, um, I found out last month. So that is a big honor to me. Um, you, you know, I think about when you say who I am, and I think about uh, my life and I think about the challenges that I've gone through, um, you, you, you know, being a woman veteran and a veteran in a time that no one even believed that we exist, even though we have been there from the beginning. Um, that is always a challenge. I always tell people say um, you were not in combat. You did not go to war. And I always say, why is it? Because. I have all my limbs. Is it because I didn't shoot nobody or or I didn't miss a bullet? Well, the facts are that we actually received haz hazardous pay. We actually was there. We actually flew in on the day the actual or change from shield to storm. We were in a combat zone. We went 30 days without changing our clothes, our socks. Um, we barely had enough um, water to drink. Um, so I'm not sure what some people think combat is, but if that's not combat, <laughs> being in a combat zone, I don't know what else to say. We stayed eight hours behind the ground troops. 
Um, you know, I can go into specific details. We witnessed and were there when all the bodies were there. Um, we actually. Um, oh, you. Oh, you got the. You got the credibility. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You, you already got it. Well, I say that because you know, back in um, 2016, 2017, when I decided to make this my mission, when God led on my heart that, that, you know, there was a gap, there was a disparity in, in programs. There was a lack of knowledge of, of what it is to be a, a woman veteran that have gone to combat. Yes. You, you'll see stories and you'll see the ones that are illuminated by TV or that are in politics, but how about the average woman veteran that lives next door to you? Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to make sure um, people knew about. And when I started putting that out there as a combat female veteran, on Facebook, on social media, I got a lot of kickback from um, men, especially. Oh, how can you call yourself that? How can you do this? How can you do that? Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I had to answer questions and I had to stand up. And then my husband, who's a 23 year veteran, and also his brother, who's a retired um, 29 year veteran, also my brother, who's a retired um He's almost a 30-year veteran, uh, and they all came to my rescue, and they all said, we are here. We all, we will stand up for you, and we have 82nd Airborne and anybody else that we need to call upon to make sure it's clear that um, you were in a combat zone. So uh, it's just and, a and you, it's just, and, you, and, and not to cut you off, but, but just like you said, you are a combat veteran. If you were a man, it would have been like, yeah, okay, you're a combat veteran. Right, exactly. I'm move on down the right, road. Right. But you sort of had to defend yourself yes, as this, a combat veteran. And I, and yes. I find that is unique, even in this day and age. And, and I was reading a story and this is, this is somewhat uh, maybe a year ago about, about, combat female veterans and, and and her name escapes me and, I, and and I'm glad you brought that out about being very specific about women is and again the name escapes me but this would have been in the 1800s when a combat veteran who had to dress up as a man she defend she fought she you know she had she was a in a combat zone <laughs> she was yes. in a combat zone. zone yes and here's what really is is like the slap in the face you know she defended the constitution she did everything she could she wore a man's uniform and when she went to look to the VA which wasn't the VA at the time it would have been just the veterans mm -hmm. not even the veterans administration she went to get her pension they turned her down and said hey we don't have women in combat in the 1800s and mm -hmm. the, the story gets a little more you know a little yeah. more muddy but it's very indicative where women who have been in every battle in the United States, yes. every battle, when I say every from yes. day one, one. disguised as men, one. however we could, we were there, cooks, Whatever nurses, happened, yes, yes. If you got to dress like a man, if mm -hmm. you got to pick another job that, you know, if you look at the, at the women veterans. Bottom line is y'all need us. You know that. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. But you yes. can't roll. So. I, now so, that we know who you are, we know you are a veteran, that you are married to a veteran, you have you have family around you who are veterans. It's all right. up and down. And you were and I think you say you were the first combat female veteran in your family. Is that correct? Or yes. Yes. No, that's correct. That's wow. correct. Right. And, you know, a lot of people another kickback is people want to be technical as far as um <laughs> um, language or dictionary style or or proper grammar and say um, female combat veteran. And so I always push back against that and say, um, you know, 
I developed this term back in 2016 while actually um, I was at the VA and um, I met difficulty with um, people in the news, people um, locally and nationally always switching it around. But the bottom line is the reason for that is because everything that a woman does in the military gets watered down. Absolutely. It, it gets watered down. So it, when you start to say female combat veteran, you start to lose the combat. You're just a female veteran. So mm -hmm. I wanted to stick it hard and I wanted to ensure that we led with combat female veteran yep. because we are tired of being lost in the sauce, as they say. So and, and, and <laughs> if you find if you put the per the, the term combat, there's a whole different moniker. And, and if we borrow from history, there were many female combat veterans. But because the way the law was written in regulations, you couldn't put combat. You can just say they were a veteran if they served that's in exactly, Vietnam or they served exactly, in World War II that's exactly. or they served in, in World War One. They would say, oh, even though they were shooting back just as, just as much as the guys, even though they could die and bleed, they would say, oh, no, she was just a veteran. She's right, not a right, I said, right. That is a bunch of caca. So, right. so all that. And then people want to know why you say female and not woman. Uh, you know, so I stress, hey, when you go into the military, you're just a female. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not a um, a woman per se. You're a female. It's male and female. Um, so if I start to talk about us being a woman, then I have about half of the female um, veterans to start to, to say, well, I was like them or I don't want to be considered different. So anyway, um, we just had F.E. in front of male. We were females. Um, but a lot of that did not matter because we were still treated like a male. Still, still, it's like, okay, we, we got to make some. So now, why why did you find it so important for you to, to, to begin to found your organization? I mean, there are like, you know, you're part of, you know, various other, you know, VSOs or veteran service organizations. You had mentioned them already, American Legion, you know, and the VFW. Why did you and, and and this is not to take away from those amazing organizations? Mm. Why did you create one that's very specific to females and not just say, "Hey, I'm in the VFW, I'm in some of these other great organizations." Why did you Why did you think that that, that your heart and your creator said, "You know what, Sandra, you're <laughs> gonna have to do something a little different." Well, you know, um, the truth is that there is a disparity of community organizations that's focused specifically on female veterans. Um, and even though there are some female veteran organizations out there, they don't necessarily provide services. They're more so a um, sisterhood, um, a social organization, but they don't provide services to female veterans. Mm. So we, we are in our county and in our community, the first and only female veteran organization to provide services in the community. The VA is awesome, but the VA makes it clear they cannot take care of every veteran. So, you know, they look for community organizations to partner with and, and to help provide services. So I wanted to, um, I've seen the disparity. 
I seen it while actually working there, you know, because mm -hmm. we refer to the community all the time. And I never had a resource to refer a woman to outside of the vet center. Um, even I can, no one, to, no resources that I can say, hey, here's a support group in your community for, for female veterans. There was mm. none, none existed. Now, um, specifically when you talk about combat female veterans, I'll let someone fact check me, but in the United States, there was no other service organization that, that specifically focused in on women who were deployed to war. Mm. The closest you get to that is the VFW, but again, they are male and female. Right. So we were the first um, to focus primarily and specifically on women who were deployed to a combat zone. Um, so I've so, seen the gap. So in in that that's that's your your unique you know niche because there is obviously there was never a, someone to fill that that space. What are some and you said now you you work with organizations that would you know you could refer veterans as a whole or even better some of them and some of them just don't fit because you know within the mm -hmm. VA organization not every veteran can be covered in in certain characteristics because mm -hmm. literally that's the reality right, exactly. not every veteran will be covered through the VA because of whatever happens mm -hmm. but what are the main focus areas that your organization does better than say and I'm not taking away from some of the bigger you know national organization what is one that you do much better than some of those people who got, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of of, of organ of, of members. I'm not going to say anything yes, better. Yes, yeah, yes, and, yeah, the yes, yeah. and the reason why I'm not going to say better is because it don't fit because it, did, it didn't exist. So did, they, did you they still that? don't. Uh, yeah. Did they you still, that question I gave you right quick just to see yeah. if you were, I was like, beautiful. Yeah. They don't. If you don't provide this, the service, then we are not doing it better. It was a disparity of the service, okay? Because when a woman goes to to a combat zone, um, or even a male, there's very unique um, things that happen, okay? And it's very much um, when you think about combat trauma, when you think about um, injuries, when you think about the whole mental health part of being in a combat zone and witnessing um, death, um, deceased, decapitated bodies. Mm. Most of that is done in a combat zone um, or when they're deployed to a particular area. It's usually not people who are serving. They may see it in the civilian world, but it is a totally unique ball game for those that have been deployed to a combat zone. And so that particular right there, when it comes to women, nobody was dealing with that particular topic. When you talk about the double whammy, the double whammy is military sexual trauma and combat trauma. Wow. And many women who were deployed, again, one out of three women who who were in the military have experienced military sexual trauma. Whoa, and, whoa, 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 back that train up real quick. One in every three. Three have reported that. Yes. So that's, we got three fingers. That mm -hmm. means only two 
did not. So one at one third of the women that we see, you know, we, we salute Mountain. and report, you know, who are NCOs and officers mm -hmm. were involved in military sexual trauma. Wow. Re reported. Yes. Military reported. sexual. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, and so that's a very high number. Um, that is and, astronomical. And there was no community resource that existed until us, being diverse, to have a military sexual trauma support group only for women. Wow. Now you're seeing them pop up all over the place, but we are diverse. And mm. I'll, I'll let somebody dispute that. Because again, you can definitely say in the VA, there was the vet center, but in the community, a, a community organization that was holding a, a MST support group didn't exist. Mm. So there was a lot of disparities and these are, are, are what motivated me to be part of the change that I wanted. Because when I came back from Desert Storm, I went straight back to college. I didn't have anybody to talk to. No one, um, no one asked me or put me in any counseling. There was no support group. There was no type of um, transition program. They exist now, but again, the VA can only handle so much, even the military, that there's a time frame. Well, unfortunately, some of us need support for the rest of our life. Mm. And that's where we come in at. We want to make sure that no matter what stage you're in, if you're one, five, 10, 20 years out of the military, that you can access some place that will give you support as needed. Look at the Vietnam veterans. They, most of them, you know, came back um, and worked in their community, took care of their family. And people would say, here it is 20, 30 years later, you're, you're having problems? Well, of course he's having problems. That Pandora box has opened, you, you know, and it usually open when you're in the stage of your life that you're settling down, that you are mm. no more responsible for having to work. Because again, can you imagine, I could not go... I could not be back in nursing school, then go get a job um, being a nurse and say, um, well, I'm dealing with PTSD. Um, I'm, 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 I'm having nightmares and, and I want to um, be working on the psychiatric unit. They would look at me like I'm crazy, please. So what happens is all of these issues you wind up avoiding and not sharing because mm. it was not understood. It was not acceptable. It was not acceptable for you to share your trauma. It was not acceptable for you to say you have PTSD or you have some type of mental health issue related mm -hmm. to um, being deployed or being in the military. It was used against you. Mm. It was used against you. So I even had to. So, so what happened is the Vietnam veterans, they needed to provide for, for their families. They can't share because if they do they will lose their job yep <laughs> they will lose their rank so so as you start to settle down in life is when a lot of your mental health issues start to exacerbate and you start to see it and that is the place that people who are not 
um, as in tuned in what mental health is, don't understand. Instead, they're so quick to judge and say, why now? Well, mm. I, I want to ask them, <laughs> where were you at? Because I, I'm the one that went to war, not you. So, not you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so it, it sounds, and like you said, you know, when you're in your quiet space, if you will, if you're, if, if you're, if you're working and you're active and you, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta make moves, you gotta make things happen. It, it, you, you sort of can put it back there somewhere, but then it's, it comes back. And, and for some, it comes back much later when it's settling, but, um, in your organization, and I want to switch gears again, um, do you deal with primarily, and I know we focus a lot more on golf war, and though we focus on golf war, but we work with all veterans from every era. Does yours do the same thing, or do you just specifically work you know, with your your fellow veterans from the golf war from 1990 to present, or do you, do you go through oh, all eras? All eras. Now, mind you, um, since I'm a little bit more um, involved with the National Desert Storm War M Memorial, but we don't say Gulf War. We, we say Operation Desert Storm, Desert Shield. <laughs> Very important because, um, you know, we tend to not get the respect of the world because it happened like this. Yep. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. We did a fabulous job. And that is a conflict in itself. It doesn't have to be grouped with any other conflict. It, it is Operation Desert Storm. So as you keep saying Gulf War, Operation Desert Storm is when I served, okay? Because again, after 9-11, it kind of like made it to seem like Operation Desert Storm did not exist. Mm -hmm. Well, no, we existed. And they sent 40,000, and it continues to be the largest deployment of women to war. They sent 40,000 women to war without even sanitary supplies, okay? With, without even sanitary supplies. So what you're seeing now is all because of what we went through. So, so, so in other words, so it's you're, very you're, important the test, that you, you're, the, you're the test group. You were the right, test group. Right, right, right. We're the test group for a long time. They haven't, so, so you know, it's very important that it's clear. Operation that's a storm. Women are the ones who cause the changes that you see now. Right. That you see now. Those are the changes. I mean, because they didn't exist. Now they're able to stand up and urinate and use devices. We didn't have that. Now they get to have their sanitary supplies with them. We didn't have that. Okay. So um, it's it's just it's very important that. Our time is not lost in history be, being grouped up under the Gulf War be, be, mm -hmm. because it is its own conflict by itself. And I believe it deserves to have that place in history by itself. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Thank you very much for, for making that <laughs> distinction. So with regards to going back to your organization, your passion, what you do, um, what are some of the areas that now you, you said, you know, military sexual trauma mm -hmm. as well as, you know, combat related issues. What are some of the programs or some of the some of the, the initiative that you're working with within not only your local region, but also um, la not regional, but let's say national? What are some of the things that that people can plug into now rather than waiting until, you know, oh, I got to wait for a while. Yeah, well, we are, again, we 
basically 501c3 approved in 2017, pretty much got off the ground um, in the late 2018, early 2019. So we're still new, but we have made a major imp impact in that community and also nationally. A lot of what we're doing now is the support group. We also have an award for North Carolina, an Outstanding Combat Female Veteran Award. No award exi existed in this state until now. Um, there is still no award in any other state that exists just for that. So we're making a lot of first moves. And when you make a lot of first moves, you get a lot of first hits. So we're learning and we're dipping and diving and we're finding out what works and how to do every everything that we're doing. But um, our programs involves transition. Um, I just had someone call me today to ask me um, about a woman veteran who, if I can walk beside that person as she actually looked for employment and get back into the community of women veteran. Because see, we, we get a lot of energy off each other. We are, we love tribes, but we love to learn from each other. That's the best way to teach us is to is to bring us together because we uplift each other as well because we share our stories and we validate each other and that validation is needed because again we have been that quiet group and we have been made to not even self-identify because mm -hmm. if you self-identify you're going it's going to be dismissed or it's going to be belittled so mm -hmm. it's time for us to stand up and we are stronger together and we stand up better together. So a lot of what we do is transition and we we help women veterans if they're in a financial strain. We have actually did some food um, funding, some housing funding, some utility funding. And we also um, do um, advocacy. Um, we're on the steering committee for the National Military Women's Coalition. Um, and we have been part of writing letters to the um, Congress on behalf of women veterans. So a lot of those, I always call it like drinking tea, TEA, transition, economic resources and advocacy. So we actually, the, those are our, are our three areas that we serve. And it's a whole lot that goes along with that. But, but I always tell people, um, Yes, I wear a lot of hats, but if I didn't wear these hats, I would not have been afforded the ability to be so versed in so many different areas. Mm. And that is very hard. It's very difficult at times um, because, um, you know, when you think about developing something from the ground up, um, the, the amount of research that is involved, the amount of support. That there is nothing that I would have or that any organization would have without the support of your people. Right. Um, so it's very important uh, for me to be connected with all the other organizations that are in line with, with what I'm doing so that we can make sure that we are on that stage. Okay. And that stage is something that um, has taken this amount of time to um, build. I agree. I mean, and and as a testimony, and this is the funny part. Uh, it's not funny. It's funny, haha. Because I remember um, when um, you had an event which was like slam packed, and I look around and just myself, and it was another uh, gentleman there, and Don Plemons um, from mm -hmm. uh, Hospice, um, and Don was there, you know, as, as his representative, and I came along, and you were like, "So where's your wife?" And I was like, "Well." She didn't hear. Well, Nikkei, 
you know, don't feel bad, but can you go over there with the guys? Right. <laughs> and and I felt no nothing wrong with that because it was dynamic folks in there. There were officers, there was enlisted, there was mm -hmm. people from the ocean, people from the air, people from underground, underwater, all branches. And these were professional, they were camaraderie. Some of them made a couple of wisecrack jokes. We won't talk about that, just like <laughs> service members do. Right, hey, right. they're service members, especially right. the Marines. They love to make these wisecracking jokes that are pretty inappropriate, but you realize they're Marines and you keep it moving. Right. So when I went there, I was like, man, this is something I have, you know, as a, as a veteran myself, but I have female veterans all through my family, but just to see the professionalism, the, to be able to have an organization that focuses directly on and, and a place that I'm embarrassed to say that was not being represented until 2017 to this level. And when your organization gets together, I mean, it is packed up in there. And the subject matter is very laser focused on women or rather female. Let me be very specific because you said that female related mm -hmm. issues and yeah. things that female veterans are dealing with. Yeah, all veterans deal with, with issues, but this is very specific and is to address those. And like you said earlier, you know, it took Vietnam veterans a long time before things started to kind of move. And even many of those right. Vietnam veterans who are in their 70s and 80s are still dealing with that. And if you imagine, if you're in Desert Storm and you had an MST, it's going to be with you for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it's surprising that an organization like yours did not come out until 2017 at the level mm -hmm. that you're working and that, you know, as they say in business, you're going to have a lot of arrows in your back when you're out there in front the first right, time. Right, so. right, right. And you, you do. Um, there's a whole lot of organizations that exist um, and they have done a phenomenal job. Um, I just, you know, again, the, what we're doing as far as being laser focused on women, on females, is so important because any place that you go, if you go to the VA, look at the amount of men in there. You know, when you go to the vet center or when you go any any place military related, a coffee or this. So when, oh, we know it's, it's <laughs> right. So it's like 80, 90 percent. Yeah. So we don't get our power from that. So it's very important that we we get our power as well, that, that we get our accolades, our empowerment. We get that from seeing us come together in large numbers. It's very uplifting for us. and But we don't get that in the, those other places where we're with a minority. Well, we want to be in a setting that makes us the majority. And we want to feel that energy from each other. And so it's not about cutting the men out or whatever, but my gosh, everywhere we go. I mean, you know, if it's a military related, we're always outnumbered. Well, it's time for us to make y'all outnumbered and not for the sake of any other reason, but to empower us. Let us see that our service do count. The amount of women that I have met over the last three years that never spoke about being a veteran is over 100. It's over a hundred. Would not even speak about it. Now these women are wearing hats, shirts, keychains. They are identifying them themselves. But you can't do that when you're in a setting full of men 
And it's just a handful of us because one, we're scattered. You, you don't even see us. And then two is what we're used to. And mm-hmm. you're not making any change for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you, you go to the BAs. You, I'm sure you heard the stories that um, the same experience that the women have when they're in the military is happening at the VAs. They yep. are, they're being catcalled at. Um, yep. Some of the VA centers have put a, um, a pharmacy. I won't name the name a pharmacy on one side of the hall. And on the other side of the hall is the women's health clinic. Okay. Like, were you thinking this out? Okay. Out so loud? a pharmacy is the one place that everybody usually have to go. Okay. Right. The women's health clinic is for women only. So you have to walk to the women's health clinic in front of 200 men. Nobody is putting women in their or or on the agenda in their planning from the beginning. We're the afterthought in most cases. And that's why these things are continuing. We need to be at the table from the beginning. And the Mm -hmm. only how I know to put us at that table is to bring us together in large groups. Mm -hmm. See, it's easy to silence one, two, three. But as we connect with each other, our voice is louder. And now we can start to make some of the changes that are needed, whether it's at the VA, whether it's at Harris Teeter, wherever it is. We this power in numbers, and that's why we have been silenced. But these things need to be talked about. Somebody needs to. We need to always be at the table. If you're gonna talk about or do anything from us, have at least one of us at the table. Mm-hmm. Nothing Agreed. replaces lived experiences. Nothing does. No textbook replaces lived experience. Agreed. And 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 you you hit the nail on the head because. You know, if it happened in active duty and if you know anything about the VA and, and we're not speaking any ill will, that's we want to be clear about no, that. I, I represent no, 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 I, no, I, I was going to mm-hmm. clarify that. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying that, but it's a VA, it's a veteran organization and you'll find that it's predominantly managed and run by military people. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's the same kind of thinking. So it, if you see it happen on active duty, then it's going to transition into the VA. Mm-hmm. And and that's just a reality. But but like you said, having those voices, having those conversations, having those issues being addressed before we even put this thing on blueprint, it's like, OK, maybe we need to think about this one a little bit more. Maybe these issues need to be addressed and not let's think of, oh, well, you know, afterthought, let's put a little tent in the back and hopefully that'll work out. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you cannot do that. You, you can't live that way. And as we've already disclosed, female veterans, women veterans have been in active duty since the founding of this country. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of folks did not even pay attention to that. They're like, oh, no, they didn't come into like via, you know, Vietnam mm-hmm. and maybe they were in the whack. And I saw MASH and, you know, maybe a few of them were in World War II and they did nursing jobs. And, and I'm like, nah, these people picked up an M1 and shot and killed and they were combat veterans, but they did not get recognized until way later. So even if they didn't pick up and shot and killed. They still exactly. But they have people <laughs> shooting at them. They were in the combat zone. Right. They were in the zone. It doesn't matter if they were actually in the right. combat. 
they were in mm-hmm. the theater. That's and it's really interesting because that's defines a combat veteran. You don't actually have to be in a full-fledged battle. You are mm-hmm. in a danger zone where the potential, the enemy is there. They know where you are. Right. That's right, enough. Right. And I think that qualifies many combat veterans. And even those folks who did not get deployed to combat, they were in veteran support services that did support combat units. So let's not dissuade and just dis, dis, you know, just say, hey. This is only for people who went right. into combat because a lot of these same behaviors and the same kind of mindset yeah. still happens in garrison. So, yes, I had a um, I had a um, a surreal moment because I had a a male veteran. This is probably about a year ago, and he inboxed me. I'm not on social media a lot anymore because it's a lot of things to do. But um, I did catch him, and he said, "Would you mind?" If I pit combat veteran in my name the way you do, I said, wow, what a, of course you can. But I just thought it was such a, um, a surreal moment that a male veteran who I don't know would even ask me that. Um, and he said, you know, thank you for your service, but I just wanted to duplicate what you did because I feel like it was, it was powerful. I said, yes, most definitely. It's very powerful when I saw that too. Yes. Yes. So um, again, we have been hiding. So it's time to put things in people's face. So now that and we I have been know. hiding myself. <laughs> now that we know, and I, I'm, I'm glad you were able to speak today and, and you and I, you know, on a personal level, and we work with other organizations mm-hmm. and I know it's been a, a very interesting last couple of years for you personally, as well as within your family. And, and, and I'm mm-hmm. thankful that even with those challenges that you, that you've gone through and your family have gone through that you were able to, to be here today. And I, I, I appreciate the creator giving you the, the desire, the passion, the know-how and the connectivity to put not only an idea, but putting that seed in the ground and then cultivating it and asking other people to help you cultivate it female veterans, male veterans, transgendered veterans who can help to move it, but be very specific on female veterans. So if I am a female or I'm a male veteran like I am, and I have a female veteran that I'm aware of, there's a friend of mine, there's a colleague, there's a coworker, and how do they get in contact with you? Do they just kind of Google you or what's the best way to get plugged into your organization? Not necessarily you, because I know it's kind of hard to track you down sometimes. You're like a moving target. But no. if they want to get plugged into your organization, how do they do that? They will go to www.cfbfunited.com and they can actually send us an email through there or they can um, browse the, our website. Um, they can find us on social media. But the best way is through the website or either send an email because, I mean, you know, we're here and um, it takes time. It takes time to want to open and connect. But the bottom line is we all need to, especially now with COVID-19, you know, we have to figure out how to support and uplift each other the best way we can. That is it. And, 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 and I think that's powerful. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you guests for being here. I hope you had an opportunity. I am so sorry. I didn't get an opportunity to, to answer any questions or Sandra get to answer any questions. Why, while, 
while you were here because we were just going and you know we just I like I get charged and I forget it's like I'm like that way but thank you for being here thank you um, for all the the wisdom that you've shared and giving your research not only your personal experiences but also giving people the, the 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 freedom if you will to have a voice to connect to collectively work together and like you said you know one or two female veterans in a group Eh, may not get a voice, but you get a couple thousand female veterans or even a hundred or 50 or 20 together. That's a force to be reckoned with. And you yes. cannot ignore that. And I'm, yes. I'm, I'm appreciative that you're leading that. And God is giving you that push to say, do this because nobody else is doing it and it's a need and you got to do it sister. And so I feel honored and privileged that you've taken some time to be here. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Safe travels. Continue your mission and your passion, and we'll talk to you again. Okay.